Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew in chapter number eight. Matthew in chapter number eight. It's good to have some friends here today. Good to have guests here with us. Good to have Pastor Don Ball and his wife and family here. Pastor's up the road at Lebanon, Missouri. Prayed for him this morning in the men's prayer meeting. And uh, has a ministry. God willing to get started again. I got to catch up with him a little bit. But it's called the Free, Free Day Away and Reaching Soldiers there at Fort Leonard Wood. And uh, opportunity to minister the gospel to them. It's a fantastic opportunity. And so uh, we certainly want to keep praying about that. Pray for the John Quinlan family. Many of you know that missionary John Quinlan uh, went home to be with the Lord due to COVID. And he was faithfully serving our Lord and Savior in the Philippines. And uh, he's a good missionary. Thankful for him. Uh, pray for his dear wife, Miss Pam, if you'd remember to pray for them. And then they're sending church, Shawnee Mission uh, Baptist Church in uh, Kansas City area, Shawnee Mission, Kansas. And uh, so just pray for the, for the dear uh, saints or Filipino brothers and sisters in Christ that this very day have grieved the passing and yet know where their dear beloved brother and pastor is in the Lord's presence. And so uh, pray for the John Quinlan family. I wanted to pass that on to you. We've supported the Quinlans for many, many years and have known them a good, good while. So pray for them if you would. All right, we're looking at Matthew chapter number eight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter eight, as we continue on. Last week, we were in Matthew seven and we finished out the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we were looking at a life built on application and the life and the collapse of a life that doesn't have application. We took some admonition there from God's word. Jesus has been up in the mountain and he's been uh, speaking to his disciples about reaching the multitudes. And so then it tells us in verse number one, if you pick up the reading there in uh, Matthew 8 and verse 1, when it says, And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Now, if you know something about leprosy, you know that's significant. Because he didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't. He didn't have to touch him to heal him. In fact, Jesus didn't even have to be there to heal him physically. Um, we'll see that in just a moment. But here it says he touched him. Saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Unto who? Well, unto the priest in Jerusalem. They need to know about this. Messiah has come. Verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came a man unto him, there came unto him, I'm sorry, a centurion, an officer in the Roman army, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, <laughs> yes. 
and my servant shall be healed. That's all you got to do is just give the command. Just give the command. He says, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily or truly, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, I wonder what his disciples thought about that, by the way. They're right there with him. I haven't seen this kind of faith yet. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, that'd be Oklahoma, and shall sit down with, watch this, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, namely the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, shall be cast out in outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. One more. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. She got right back to work. Now, when I come off of a fever, it takes me a few days. But here she just got right up and went right back to work. All right, we're going to read through verse 17. <clears throat> when the even was come, so it's the same day, it was a Sabbath day. When he, um, Mark tells us that. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirit with his word. In fact, he told those demonic beings, according to Luke's account, to not disclose that he was the Messiah, because they knew it. The demonic beings did. And he cast out the spirit with his word. Last part of verse 16, and healed all that were sick. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah, the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Verse 5 goes on to say, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So, uh, today, we've read about three. There are uh, seven more accounts of his miracles right here in this two chapters of Matthew. Matthew 8 and 9. Uh, but today, we'll start with these three <clears throat> and calling it this, today's global infirmary. Today's global infirmary. 
I told myself I wasn't going to have a subtitle just because I don't want to get in that habit all the time. The expectations being so high to have one. But if it's there, it's there. <laughs> so today's global infirmary, the ultimate solution for human suffering. The ultimate solution for human suffering. May God bless the reading. You may be seated. <clears throat> this last year and a half or so of COVID-19 has uh, been quite an ordeal. Continues to be. It feels like we're living in a global infirmary in many ways. An infirmary is a place, as you uh, know, for the care of the in infirm or the sick or injured. It's a hospital facility serving or a facility serving as a hospital. By the way, we're not the first and certainly uh, will not be the last to experience disease and pestilence. Uh, if Jesus tarries his coming, then there'll be more. He said there would be. Why should we be surprised? We live in a fallen world. Should he come again? Not if he comes, but when? He will come again. And his church, churches rather, will be raptured out. Saints will be raptured out. And then the seven-year tribulation will take place and there will be pestilence like the world has never seen before. So we're not the first. We certainly will not be the last. We were in Kansas City and, and touring the World War I Museum and read about the Spanish flu. And of course, that's uh, likened to the, what we're experiencing here today. So we're not the first and it won't be, we won't be the last. In many ways, I, like most of you, I feel like have been able to move on in life. And, but then there's weekly... In fact, even daily reminders, this thing's not over yet. As much as we'd like for it to be. About the time we had some uh, discussion in our staff meetings, uh, this would be back in the month of July, and, and endeavoring to get back to passing the offering plate and getting back you know, to things even more normal as, as we could. But then about the time that we were about to implement that, I believe it was on August the 15th, and uh, then cases were going up again. We thought, well, it's just not a good time to... To do, to do that part. And I realize probably most would be fine, but what if just one person wasn't okay with passing the plate? And so just, just trying to be mindful. But I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not even mentioning that to, to try to figure out what's the right or right, wrong thing to do there. It's just, um, it just illustrates this is ongoing. And then uh, people we know and love, like Brother Quinlan, some that we don't know, personally, like Brother Richie and others, um, affected by it. Many of your family, friends, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's affected all of our lives. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what's the solution to this? What's the solution? But not just that. I mean, you add to that cancer, you add to that other ailments and uh, that we deal with week by week, heart conditions and, and everything else that is, that is there. And then you add to that natural disaster. I'm not trying to be a downer here today. Please, uh, you came to church, about, no doubt to be encouraged. You're thinking, good night, and I'm going further down. But that's not my intent here today. It's just the world in which we live, isn't it? It's the world in which we live. 
Uh, and in fact, it's the world in which Jesus lived. He stepped right into the world uh, that was filled with disease. And what we have in Matthew chapter 8, I didn't design the timing of this. I mean, we're just in our series and we started this, you know, series. Uh, well, it'll be two years coming up in, in uh, December, I guess it was, somewhere right in there. Uh, so, I mean, this is just where we are in our series and it's where we are in our nation. It's where we are in a global pandemic. It's where we are in the world and it's where Matthew's world was as he recorded this and was reflecting back under inspiration about many of the things that happened when Jesus stepped on the scene and he's already given the king's, uh, king's credentials in where he was born. Uh, that was arranged by God. Uh, you don't get to plan where you were born. You were just there. Right? Jesus fulfilled the prophecy about where he was born and many other things that were prophetic about Jesus and, and who he would be. I, I mean, his, his person has been presented by Matthew and, and he's writing largely to a Jewish population, but he's also very uh, interested in passing it on to us Gentiles that we might also know that not only is he the Jewish Messiah and Savior, but he's also come to be the Savior of the whole world. And so he's given his credentials in his person. He's given his credentials and the principles that he's preached for the last uh, three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as, he, as we followed it along the last several months, really, since February, as we followed the words of, of Jesus. And it's proving that uh, there's something very unique. There's something very special. There's something very supernatural about this man named Jesus. And his words declare that he's not like anybody else has ever been on the world scene before. And so now Matthew is stacking the evidence, not only from his person and prophecy fulfilled in his birth, and not only in his words that have been uttered and what he has said and the power, and they said, no man's ever spoke like this man before because he speaks as one who has authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Now he's going to stack miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle. In fact, he's got 10 of them, uh, illnesses that were cured and, and the uh, sea that was made to rest and, and the demonic beings that are cast out, he's going to stack 10 of them right on top of one another. Not necessarily, by the way, in chronological order, because when you read Mark's account and Luke's account and they overlap, there is a different order there. And that's Matthew's intent. It's not necessarily to give us a chronological account of this, but just to simply say this, he is who he said he was. And his very deeds, if you thought his words were powerful and they are, then watch what he does. And all of this is giving credence and giving evidence that if you've trusted him as your savior, and if he's your Lord, then you're under the right authority and you've trusted the right one to be your Messiah. And if you're not yet convinced, and he could write to today's Jews, just as he did in, the, in the, his day to those Jews. And he said, if you're not convinced that he is indeed the Messiah, then please take out your scroll of Isaiah chapter 53 and other passages like it. And let's compare what is said in the Old Testament with what he did and what he said. And let us see for ourselves whether he's not the Messiah. And you'll see firsthand that he is indeed. And so all of this is being stacked with that purpose. It is much a focus as much as, it's, as it is on the on those that were suffering in, in this time. And, and I think about the suffering of our day and time. Listen, the real focus is not so much on the lepers and not so much on the lame and the paralyzed and the demonic possessed. It's not so much on them as it is on him. 
It's on him. It's who he is and his care for them. And, and so he's arranging these. In fact, what he does right here, just to let you know up front, is he does this. He's, he's arranging them according to the outcasts of their society. Lepers. Outcasts. Nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody wanted to touch them. They wanted to keep some social distance from them. Are you following me? They were truly quarantined more than just for 14 days for life quarantine, many of them. They were the unclean of the society. They were rejected because of their physical condition. Roman centurions. Roman centurions in the Jewish culture and time, they were rejected because of their ethnicity. They were rejected because of their race. In fact, they were doubly rejected because they also represented Rome. The Jews didn't want anything to do with these Gentiles, except when they wanted to pay for their buildings. Women. According to Jewish men, second-rate citizens. I'm not saying that, I'm quoting them. Jewish men, many of the Pharisees, prayed this way. Every day, every day they prayed this way. I, I give thanks that I am a man and not a woman. That's what they said. Now, I think you can, if you're a woman, you ought to say, I thank you, God, that I'm a woman and not a man. <laughs> but they would pray that way. I give thanks that I'm a man and not a woman. I give thanks that I'm a Jew and not a Gentile. I give thanks that I'm a free man and not a slave. That's how they look down on the people in their society. These were unlikely recipients of the Messiah's care. Were it not for grace. I got to think, really, Aaron, I, I don't know. Well, I do know. It's a little bit overwhelming. It went silent in here for a little while. I got to thinking about where would my life be without his grace? And then I looked out and I saw you and I wondered, I wonder what your life would look like without grace. These were the rejects of society, the outcasts. Perhaps in our day, it'd be the people living under bridges. It's really more of a nuisance to us. Am I just being honest? It's how we can feel about it. It's people that... Nobody wanted to have time for. I believe those of Jesus' day, including many of his disciples, were surprised to see who Jesus loved. Surprised to see who he is willing to touch. Surprised to see who he was willing to visit, to go to their home. Surprised who he took time to help thought about it this way. He's close to the outcast. What a savior. I'm telling you this morning, folks, Jesus ignored all their cultural barriers. He ignored them all and just went and cared for people right where they were. 
He spoke to them for the last, if you allow me, the last three chapters. is one sermon. A really long sermon. I guess if Jesus preaches long, we can preach long too. It's not the point of the text. But. He's preached all these words to demonstrate how to impact society and now he's showing it. Can you imagine what it was like to live in a leper colony? I thought about those four lepers that were outside the city when the city of, of the Israel's city was, Samaria was, or sorry, Israel was surrounded by, uh, by the enemy. And they said, well, if we go out of the camp, we die. If we stay here, we're going to die. We might as go, well go. They were cast out. It wasn't too long ago we listened to the audio version of a book by, about a man named Paul Brand. Paul Brand was a missionary. Uh, I believe he passed away in 2005, somewhere right in there. Missionary to India. Actually is internationally known and appreciated because of what advancements were made in leper colonies in India. And he was willing to do surgery on them when nobody else was willing to and gave them mobility. Can you imagine what it's like being a leper? Can you imagine losing appendages because of the dreaded disease? I, I think about Naaman, I think about Uzziah, I think about others in the Bible that were, were lepers and cut off from their families. I mean, one day they were able to be with their wife and the next day were, they had to be away from their wife and their kids and away from society. They were quarantined and, and they, they had to keep distance and they had to constantly give warning should they come near the public unclean. Unclean. If you think the CDC guidelines are high and strict, then just read Leviticus 13 about lepers. And yet all that, I, I don't know. I mean, there's varying degrees of the skin disease and, 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 and so forth. There's, there's different variations of it, I mean. But I, and I don't know this man's type, but, but he pushed past all those barriers. And he, and he knew this. If I can just get to this man named Jesus, I believe he can help me. And he said it even in a unique way, didn't he? If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If you will. Hey, listen, there was no doubt in his mind that Jesus could heal him. But he didn't know if Jesus was willing to. I wonder if he cares for a person like me. You ever have one of those moments, a person like me moments? I wonder if he cares about a person like me. I wonder if he cares about a person like me who has a past like I have. You, are you following me? I wonder if he cares about a person like me. Can I assure you here this morning, if he reached out and touched a leper that nobody in their society wanted to touch because they didn't want to be unclean and because they didn't want to ha risk the, the possibility of contracting the dreaded disease. But our Savior reached out when he didn't even have to. He could have just spoke the word and he, could have, he would have been healed. But he reached out and when nobody else wanted to touch him, Jesus touched this man. I tell you today, he does does love you just like you are. He loves people like you. He loves people like you. He loves people like us. 
You say, well, I'm not one of those church people. Well, we're church people that's just been saved by the grace of God. We're sinners just like any other sinners. We thought the building fall in on us too, if you know what all we've done. Are you follow what I'm saying? Some of those things, man, the building fall down if I came to church. Sometimes people say that. Hey, no, this one stood a lot of sinners. A lot of sinners. He loves a person like you. He's willing to touch and he healed him instantaneously and, and he cares about those. I, I think today there may be some here that, that have doubts about perhaps his care. I, maybe there's some even that are languishing and longing even to be here, but they're watching by live stream and they've been watching by live stream. And maybe, listen, I, I don't want this to happen at Southwest Baptist Church, but, but maybe everybody, maybe at least feel this way. Everybody's kind of forgotten you and you haven't been contacted in a while. Now we've got a good group that visits and a good group that call and a good group that uh, sends cards and such. But listen, we are human. We could forget somebody. But I'm telling you today, the Lord Jesus Christ has not forgotten you. He knows where you are. I know there's men that are watching from Lexington in prison and maybe you feel like nobody wants anything to do with you because of who you are and what you've done. I'm telling you, Jesus knows who you are and he cares about you. And when nobody else wants to be around you, he'll be with you in that cell when you're, when you're all alone. He'll be with you when maybe your family has given up on you. Hey, listen, Jesus has not given up on you. What love, what power. A Roman officer here, a centurion, as the name implies, would be a man in command of at least a hundred men, maybe even more. It'd be something uh, comparable in our day and time uh, to our our captain of that would be anywhere from sixty to two hundred men. As I searched it out, I mean, some of these individuals that's over over a, a company, and and so here's a man. In fact, they are known as gentlemen of the highest character in their day and time. They were the backbone of the Roman army. And yet, nonetheless, they were Gentiles, affiliated with Rome. But this man cared about his servant. This was a young man, according to Mark and Luke. This is a young man that, that was a servant in their home, and, and he was grievously tormented, is what Matthew says. He had a crippling disease. He was paralyzed, maybe on one side. He, I don't know if it was some type of, a, of an infection or bacteria that attacked uh, his, his brain or spinal cord or, or something else traumatic happened. I don't know, but, but he was grievously tormented. In fact, Dr. Luke, you know I'm talking about Dr. Luke, uh, the gospel written by Luke, who was a doctor. Dr. Luke said this, he was near death. This man was near death. This young man was near death. I can imagine in my heart and mind that he was in chronic pain. People in our own church family in chronic pain. The centurion said, he was asking Jesus to heal him. And, and Jesus said he'd go to his house. Here was a Jewish man, a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish leader, willing to go to a Gentile house. The centurion said, no, I'm not worthy that you'd come under my roof. Roof. I'm a man, I'm a man who also is under authority. He understood authority. He understood that, the, that when he said something as a, as a centurion, if he said something to one of his soldiers, they would do it because he was under the authority of the emperor in Rome. He had all the backing of Rome behind his words. He said, do this, they did that. If he said, come, they came. If he said, go, they went. And this centurion said to Jesus, I know that you also are of a man of authority. And whereas I have the authority of Rome behind my words, you have the authority of heaven. 
And all you've got to do is just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I haven't seen it this way before. And then he says a word about how Gentiles would come from the east and from the west and populate the kingdom of God, the peoples of this world. Hey, listen, about, hey, listen to this. The elite religious Jews of Jesus' day despised the dogs, the Gentiles, they'd call them. They despised them. But Jesus said, I'll tell you who will be sitting around in the banquet that's going to take place in the kingdom. They're going to be Gentiles that are sitting down with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How about that? I'm looking forward to that, getting to have some banquet time with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm not worthy to be with the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and neither are you, but our Savior qualifies us through his shed blood that he shed for all mankind. And you say, I'm not worthy to be at that table. Hey, listen, none of us are, and yet he invites you to come. But then he also gives quite a warning, doesn't he, about the, those that would reject his salvation. And he says that there would be weeping or wailing and gnashing or grinding of teeth in eternal pain. My friend, listen. Hell and the lake of fire that is to come is a true, literal place where there is pain and eternal suffering. But there is a solution there is a solution for eternal suffering and it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah has come and he cares and he's able and he spoke the word and he said, according to your faith, it is. In other words, you believe, so that happened. And the man got home and he was healed in the selfsame hour. That was not coincidence. That was the power of Almighty God at work. Do you know Peter was married? Catholicism teaches that he was not married. But right here it said Peter's wife's mother. He's got a mother-in-law. Why would you have a mother-in-law and not have a wife? Now, I've got a good mother-in-law who gave me a good wife. <laughs> Covering all bases here today. <laughs> Somebody said, well, what is it behind every good husband is a surprise mother-in-law. Is, is that how it goes? I heard that this week. Behind every good husband is a surprise mother-in-law. <laughs> she was sick. She had a fever. She'd evidently been serving, but maybe it hit her all at once. It's a Sabbath day. She was serving those in the home. I, I, I notice here, the leper came to Jesus. He healed him. The centurion came to Jesus on behalf of the servant. He healed him. But here is, here is Peter's mother-in-law, his mother-in-law who lay sick and couldn't even respond. And wait a minute, Jesus still cared for her. 
They came to Jesus, Mark tells us, or Luke does, one of those two accounts, and they came to Jesus and asked him to do something, but the text is just simply telling us there was no responsiveness evidently from her. She couldn't even ask, but I'm telling you, when you're down and you're hurting and you're in pain, even though there's times when you can't even verbalize it, the Savior still cares. Had friends and pastor friends that have been through some real deep waters, waters that I've never passed through the, the death of a spouse. And they said, even pastors have said, there's times I, I didn't even feel like reading my Bible. There's times when I didn't even feel like praying. I mean, pastors that have been there. Hey, listen, but in those times, Jesus still cared. He still cares. And he cared for Peter's mother-in-law, and the Bible says that he reached and he touched her hand. And in fact, I believe it was Luke that said he took her by the hand and he lifted her up, which in many Jewish segments of society, a Jewish man's not to touch even a woman. But Jesus, again, broke through the cultural barriers, of course, not in an inappropriate way, but just in a loving, caring way to say this, to, to raise her again from that illness, from that sickness, from that fever. And immediately she went back to frying chicken. I don't know if it's fried chicken. It was a Baptist preacher's home. Anyways. And then, and then the evening comes, which means now the Sabbath is over. And they bring all kinds of other demon-possessed people. And he cast out demonic beings and, and tells them not to disclose who he is and has authority over them. And, and then it says that he healed all manner of diseases, all sicknesses. I'm telling you, listen to me here this morning. There was no match for Jesus. There was no infirmity that he could not handle. Whether it was leprosy or, or paralysis or what the fever was, whatever it was that she was suffering, there was no match for Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand the text. This is not saying that it is always God's will to heal everybody. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't heal every leper in, in Israel. He didn't heal every paraplytic. He didn't heal every person that was struggling. He didn't heal them all, but he healed enough to show he's got power and authority to push back the effects of the curse. It's no match for him. And I can't explain it all, neither can you, as to why he would raise one up and not another. But I'm telling you this still, he's good either way. And if this individual that died on, on, the, on the bed of languishing and sickness, that died because of cancer, died because of COVID, if they knew the Lord and they went to heaven, hang on just a minute, that means they, they just experienced Jesus' ultimate healing and they'll never be sick again. Never have a headache, never have a fever, be able to walk and all those things totally, completely healed forever. He's qualified to be the Messiah, qualified to be your Savior, qualified to be your Lord, qualified to heal you when you're sick, thank His holy name, qualified to be the high priest that's ever interceding for us, qualified for us to go to Him in prayer and to cry out and to pray for His healing. He's qualified for us to go to Him because He loves us and He has the ability to help. Whatever the situation is. And that's why Matthew puts it on pause a moment to say this. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, he took our infirmities. 
and he bare our sicknesses. In other words, what he's saying right there is this. He took our infirmities. He was, he was willing to deal with us, even on the physical side. Now, there's no, there's no way around this. What, what Matthew is saying is that these healings are a fulfillment of that, that prophecy. Now, the charismatic theology takes this and uses it in a warped way. It's not right the way that it is used in charismatic theology. But what Matthew is saying is he's saying this. He has the authority and demonstrated the authority to push back the effects of the curse during his earthly ministry. And that demonstration of being able to heal physical sicknesses was preliminary to what would be the ultimate solution to the problem of sickness, which is behind that is sin. Because listen very carefully, I'm not saying when you have a cold, there must be hidden sin in your life. That's not what I'm saying. Are you listening to me? I am saying this though, in the authority of the word of God, and we can run to many different passages, including this one, that is demonstrating this, all of our sickness, COVID-19, cancer, etc., all of it is because sin entered into the world. There would be no sickness where there's no sin. God created Adam and Eve with perfect health, put them in a perfect environment, gave them sovereignly gave them free choice. And they chose to disobey God. And as a result of that, sin, rebellion against God and all of its effects came on the world, on humanity, as well as the world. Paul said the whole creation groans and travails in pain together even until now. I mean, the world itself is, is writhing in, in pain and suffering and there's hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all those things and there's wars and rumors of wars and there's pestilence and there's famine and there's sicknesses and there's disease, all these things why? Because it's not God's will, it's sin that has resulted in all this. But what he did when he healed the leper, what he did when he gave sight to the blind, what he did when he caused the, the one who couldn't walk to jump up and to run was showing this, I have power over the effects of sin and that is just going to show you that when I give my life on the cross and he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, what he did in as a preliminary is demonstrating who he is so that when he died on the cross we would understand. Not only does he have the power over the effects of sin, he has the power over sin itself and the penalty of sin. And he was buried and rose again and able to save anybody that'll call on him. So Matthew's saying, he is who he said he was. And he cares about you. Solution to the suffering of the world is not government. Not human government. Because it also has the seed of sin. The solution to suffering is not an earthly preacher, priest, or anybody that has sin in their life. 
can't be the solution because they're part of the problem. Solution to human suffering is not more education. As good and important as education is, the solution, the ultimate solution, and I'm thankful for every doctor, nurse, and medical professional, but the solution, the ultimate solution, though God doesn't say don't go to doctors because Jesus recommended doctors, they that are sick go to a physician, Jesus said. The solution, the ultimate solution to human suffering is the love of God and the power of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're suffering, physically suffering, He loves you and has the ability to heal you. I'm not going to give you some kind of false hope to say he's going to heal you. But I read in the book of James, he said, if any be sick, let him pray. Let others pray that they might be healed. And we've prayed. And we've seen God heal some. He's still able to heal. If you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, you need to. And if you do know him as your Savior, and your body's filled with pain, and he takes you home to heaven, you're forever healed. You're suffering, maybe from heartache, suffering from addiction to sin, Suffering from a bad conscience, <clears throat> grief, regret, all the above. Take all that is involved in human suffering related to sin, directly or indirectly. And I'm telling you today, He is the solution. His love, His power is the solution to human suffering. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you're willing to carry the burden of our pain, that you're willing to reach out to those that were cast out in their own society, those that were brokenhearted. God, we believe that if you can heal a human body, and you can, you can heal a broken marriage and a broken relationship. You're still the solution. Dear God, we believe it to be your will to save any that would call on you by faith. We know that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We have that assurance, dear God. <clears throat> and I thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. <clears throat> And so, God, today I just pray that you'd help the suffering. I pray that, God, right there where they are, whether they're watching by live stream or in this auditorium, that, God, you would remind them that nothing can separate them from the love of Christ, just like we heard in song a moment ago. I thank you so much for arranging these things 
demonstrating once again your sovereignty and greatness. And dear God, I pray that you'd help the hurting today. Lord, just within the last few months, there are widows grieving, the loss of a spouse. I think about parents grieving the loss of a child due to cancer or a car accident. Not in our church, but I know of some, dear God, and others do too. And Lord, I know that you can help the grieving. We come to you on their behalf to do so. And I pray for any that are suffering today, whatever it may be, even just in their own minds, they're suffering and plagued with doubt and fear and difficulty of their, their thoughts. Oh God, I pray you'd show them that you are the solution and that your love does not vary and you have the ability to help them. We'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together here today.